Nourish, Gather, Grow. Welcome to the Nourishing Liberty podcast. Our mission is to inspire and empower families and communities to nurture each other and the earth through our choices and interactions. We believe that nurturing our ecosystems is one of the greatest legacies we can leave future generations. We believe that individually, we are important and valuable in this process, and together, we create community. Nurture begins by nourishing ourselves and our communities, both physically and spiritually. Let's grow together. Wow, I have a really special treat today. With me today is Matthew Williams. And Matthew is a farmer, an urban farmer in Wilmington, Delaware, who has pioneered something unique and beautiful in his community. He really is the embodiment of nurturing community and inspiring people towards different behaviors within their communities and towards growing food. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hello, and thank you for having me. So can you start by telling a little bit about Conscious Connections, that's your organization, and what you've done with the urban farm? Yes, absolutely. Conscious Connections, we are an urban farm located in Wilmington, Delaware. We have about seven plots of land within a two block radius where we grow produce as well as provide educational programming for youth and adults alike in the local and expanded community. We've been around since 2010, official 501c3 since 2013. We have established relationships throughout the state of Delaware, and we really, really pride ourselves on our relationships that we have built and nurtured with local community members. You know, Matthew, when I first learned about what you were doing and first met you, I loved the mission you were on and the things that you told me about how this work was changing your community. And then I think I reached a whole new level of being blown away by it when I actually saw the farm on the map. I mean, it was it was the difference between um, hearing about something more than in theory, right? Because you were actually doing this, but then actually visually seeing it. And uh, you know, we're we're far enough apart geographically that it wouldn't be easy for me to come out and see it in person. But seeing it on the map was amazing. Do you get that kind of reaction from people when they really learn about what it is you're doing there? Yes, absolutely. First of all, I believe every person deserves to know that God loves them unconditionally, and he will provide for their physical and spiritual nourishment. Urban farms and gardens are reflections of God's light and love They are sacred spaces where God guides us to find our authentic selves. I hear that often when people come by, they always say, wow, I never knew you were located here. They are really, really blown away by what God has enabled and allowed us to create within the section of the city where we are located. 
That's beautiful. And I know you are a man of faith. How has that faith not just guided you, but allowed, allowed others to, to uh, be self-expressed in the same way that you are? Because part of this, it's not just about Matthew and what Matthew can do. Part of this is that you're really providing an architecture for the rest of your community. So speak to your faith a little bit in that and, and what you're seeing as a result of that. Well, Matthew is a servant, and what the farm is is just it's it's an open door uh, farm to everyone. I'm, I I allow any and everyone that wants to come and participate or partake in the activities that we have going on 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 the yard to to just dive in. Uh, my faith is the reason why uh, I'm there. I'm extremely patient. I, I'm non-judgmental. And I'm very, very persistent in just trying to uh, create that 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 safe space uh, located in the community. And what have you noticed as a result of that? How has your community, how has it changed? How has it shifted? Well, gun violence, for one, there has been no gun violence on our block in over two years. That is really, really, really a testament to what the urban farm has created there. Two years ago, there were shootings on a block. We've had incidents where young people were shot down and murdered directly in front of our farm. Young people that at one point in their lives had worked or volunteered at the farm. So uh, for, for over the past two years with there being no gun violence, I'm extremely, extremely grateful. You know, that must be um, being in the proximity of that kind of violence and, and witnessing it firsthand, extremely uh, saddening and heartbreaking. And then, and then you're saying you've seen a transformation where that's not occurring anymore in that, in that proximity. And do you think that's because of the people who are uh, coming out to the garden or what do you, what do you think is the transformation there? Uh, it's a little bit of both. Uh, the garden has been there for over 10 years. Uh, I personally have, have watched a lot of young people grow up in that community. As I watch them, they have watched me. So they, they, they've seen me there on the yard. So I'm present. And I think that really means a lot. I've been there through the shootings, through all the negative things that may have occurred. I've been there, I didn't run away. And I think uh, we have a mutual respect for one another. And that's, that's made uh, all the difference. Wow, it, it's, it's definitely profound. I mean, being able to have that level of persistence on your part and the patience and still have a place marker for youth to come out and work in the garden and for them to experience that unconditional love. That's really amazing. Thank you. You know, the last podcast, we were talking about uh, local food supply chains. And that's something you and I have discussed several times before because it's something that is a part of what you're doing. And again, I mean, you telling me what you're doing is one level of understanding it, but seeing it on the map is again, a whole nother level of understanding. So 
when we talk about local food supply chains, you're there on the ground doing this and, and your community is like other people have gotten involved and you, you might be spearheading a lot of this, but their involvement is vital and it's important. So what can you say about the infrastructure of creating this local food supply chain and how that and what you're building? Of course, every year we're building on this, but what does that infrastructure do to creating food security in your community? Uh, just as everyone deserves to know that God loves them unconditionally, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone deserves to have access to fresh produce. And with the urban farm being located where it is, people have access to fresh produce. We don't lock our farm up so you can actually come and partake from our herb garden freely. I mean, we ask that you don't just destroy anything, but it is open. It's an open door policy there. Uh, so food insecurity within our footprint is being minimized just by us being there in our presence because we don't want anyone that lives in our local uh, community to uh, have to deal with food insecurity. We want everyone to have access to fresh produce. That's wonderful. And, you know, yes, um, I was sharing on the previous podcast about how I, I have this crazy vision where neighborhoods could all produce a lot of their own food. And that way, different neighborhoods, suburban or urban, would have food security within that proximity. And that's what your community is doing, right? Of yes. course, the farm is large enough that you, one person, can't manage all of it. You have to have people working there. And then that means they get to contribute to their own food security and they are contributing to their community. So can you speak to that for a minute and talk about how empowering that is for the youth there and how much that creates a certain level of food security for those community members? Absolutely. Well, one of our mantras is education plus exposure equals economic opportunity. So for the youth that, that come to our farm, it's just that exposure to uh, putting their fingers in the soil and then to watch a seed grow to become something edible. I mean, that is just uh, unbelievable. Tomatoes and and then the value added products that we have been able to create with the youth, it really gives them a, a deeper appreciation for just food consumption and uh, the things that they're putting in their body. Now, really, uh, we really are trying to create a pipeline also for the youth so that they can uh, go to college, go to college and focus in, in the agricultural sector where that is a really underrepresented industry for uh, black and brown uh, people. So maybe college or maybe they go and they create their own yeah. urban yeah. farm in another area. I mean, wouldn't you consider that just as successful? Absolutely. It's it, even in their home, uh, you know, yeah. pots, if they, if they so choose to use pots, just to grow something that they are able to consume and eat that is good for their body, good for their soul is a success. Yeah. Um, and then feed their community. Absolutely. So you have something, I, I, I met you after you've been doing this for 10 years. So I see what 10 years of hard work looks like. And I know that many of my listeners are, um, are, are beginners at this. So what do you say to somebody who wants to start from scratch 
or people who are in an urban environment right now and they say, oh, I can't grow anything, I don't have the space. Or people who wanna uh, mentor within whether their community is urban or suburban, but they wanna bring people out and teach them growing. How do you say, how do you tell people how to get started? Well, there are different ways to actually get started, but if you think that you don't have the space, I'd say start with some containers, a pot, uh, get yourself some topsoil uh, from your local garden supply store and uh, just pick a product, pick a, a crop that you want to grow. I personally, I, I was shopping at, at, at Produce Junction one time and I bought some lemons and I ended up just keeping the seeds. And now I have about a three foot lemon tree in my living room. So you don't have to get real fancy with it. You can just use something that you just see from a, a, a product that you buy from the supermarket and, and just put it in the soil. Make sure you put it somewhere that's well lit on the windowsill or close to a window, water it frequently and watch it grow. So I would say just go for it. Don't, there's really no barriers to entry for gardening or urban farming. It's just all comes down to you and your desire to just want to get it done, but you can do it. And then there are also resources, different organizations, depending on where you're located in the country that provide technical support for people that want to start uh, urban farms on a slightly larger scale. But for those at home, just do it. <laughs> I love that. You and I are on the same page there. I, I like to tell people, you know, start where you are. Start with a one basil plant in a pot on the windowsill or whatever. Start with that lemon tree. I love it. And I love the enthusiasm of how you've approached all of this. It's and how you explain to other people to approach. Start with something. Start where you are. Yes, absolutely. There's there's a term I like when it comes to urban or suburban farming or gardening, and that's the idea of the crop mob. It's this concept of you get a bunch of people out, volunteers, or there's financing somewhere paid, and a whole bunch of people come out all at once and you dig this whole plot and get it ready for planting and you put up a fence and you get all the watering infrastructure put in. So it's the idea of getting a lot of hands out there to do the work together. And I love that because you're building community, you're building connections, you're, um, you're having real tangible results that people can see within a day. And of course, getting people together towards a common objective encourages people, it inspires them and it motivates them. And then they can see the results right there. Yeah. Have you done anything like that at your time in the urban farm where you've had a bunch of people out together to really conquer this one goal? Yes, absolutely. I've, I've done something like that several times. Most recently was last November, this past November, November of 2021. We planted 45 fruit bearing trees, uh, pears, apples, persimmons, uh, pomegranates, and I'm missing one. But we, it was 45 trees in all, and we had about 20 people come out. And uh, it was a it was a decent day as far as temperature wise, but we selected a location within our footprint, and everybody just focused on planting those trees, and it was a really successful event. 
I love it. And it brings people together. You're creating community. You're creating positive memories. I love it. When we get far enough along on a project, it looks like success, right? But we all know that in order to have that level of success, we often have moments of being discouraged or perceived failures. Do you have anything like that from your time there? And how did you overcome that? Uh, I always try to stay encouraged. Uh, I, I do have times when I would like to see more participation from the local community, um, but I don't give up. Uh, I do get a good amount of participation, but of course I would like to see everyone come out and, and pitch in because I feel like it's for the, you know, what we're doing is for the greater good of the whole community. Outside of that, no, it's just to just get all hands on deck all the time is really just uh, what I would like to see. Yeah, I know you and I have talked before about how people, we, we, we would love to see people reprioritize, you know, maybe how they spend their weekends, maybe not golfing or mm. going to the movies, but coming out and learning to grow or coming and harvesting from the farm and getting what they need for their dinner tables, right? Yes, not so, throwing trash and, you know, in, in the urban setting because it's a little tighter there, it's trash. Don't throw trash right outside in front of your home because that trash might blow and end up in a farm or, you know, somewhere that it shouldn't be. Where do you want to see the farm in a year or maybe three years? Oh, man, in a year or three years. Wow. I want to see a fully functioning farmer's market slash uh produce and cafe where people can come and get a, a, a good healthy farm to table meal uh, right there on site. And they can actually trace the source of where their produce came from being the urban farm right there where they're sitting. Uh, that is just, that's a big dream of mine that is going to come to fruition. I love the way you light up when you talk about this is really beautiful. It's a beautiful vision. Go on and expand on it. Well, it's a beautiful feeling just to, to, from which we came. I mean, to, to see what our site looked like 10 years ago uh, was used as a dump, a local dump. People would just come by and throw trash within the fence line. Uh, just random people would drive up and dump trash there. So to see where we've come from is just a beautiful thing. Uh, so just know that in the past two years, there have been no shootings on a block. Nobody has been killed on our block. It's a beautiful thing. So our urban farm has really been a, a transformative vehicle and uh, it's really just beautiful. You know, when I think of you, I often think of you as the Will Allen of the East Coast. Will Allen being an urban farmer in Milwaukee and very famous for creating the, the, the farms he's on and all that energy and all that enthusiasm. And so here you are on the East Coast doing the same things that he's doing. And do you see that what you're doing is replicable in other urban settings? I do. I'm seeing that more and more these days. When I first started, no, I really wasn't 
thinking about how it could be emulated or modeled anywhere else. But since I've seen the impact that it has in a community that uh, was in need, I, I know now that it can be done in other locations as well. That's great. And you know, you spoke about the impact on gun violence, but what else are you seeing within the community? Are people coming out in your community who grew, maybe grew up with a garden or grew up with a farm and it's, it brightens their days to come back to a farm? Or what other impacts are you seeing? Uh, well, people, when they drive down a block, some people just randomly stop and just stare and smile. Others might pull over and get out the car and, and just probe a little bit to find out exactly what we're doing over there. And uh, to see the little people, the little children that I've known for years, some of which I know when they were first born, just grow up uh, walking up and down the street, uh, coming from the bus stop. And in the summertime, running up and down the street is just amazing. Wow. You know that saying that says, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Yeah, so it kind of seems like you did that 20 years ago when you're still planting trees. And maybe those trees are seeing a young person plant their first seeds. And you know that that experience is going to stay with them. Yes, absolutely. I've, I've done quite a bit of uh, planting with young people, both my children and other people's children. And I love, I just love that, you know, the first time or the first time that year that they're experiencing planting a seed or getting that radish out of the ground and they're just in awe of it. So anytime you can give exposure to young people like that, it's doing more than planting a seed. It is like planting a tree, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's this wonderful quote, I forget who said it, but it was something like, how can we ask children to save the world without first having them fall in love with it? Mm. Wow. And so what you're doing, I mean, you're giving them that miracle where that they plant the seed and then they get to watch it grow or they're planting the fruit trees and then they get to eat the fruit from it. You know it, I mean, you know it to be true, but what are the, what are the feelings you get when you see the impact it has on your community or the people who come out to the farm? What are those feelings for you? Well, one, uh, for the youth that participate in our programs, it's just to see them eat a vegetable, in particular, a leafy green, uh, collards, kale, Swiss chard, all of which were grown on the farm. <clears throat> None of which a lot of the youth that come to the farm aren't, they're not really their choice, their, their favorite item. So to just see them eat uh, a leafy green is just, oh man, it makes me laugh. It makes me smile uh, because I really try to encourage all of those that come to our farm, in particular the youth, to eat more green. So the more green that they eat, the happier I become. Yeah, and that's kind of an, uh, an analogy, too, because you're getting them to look a little bit out of their normal comfort zones. And I think that's a part of your mentorship there as well, is encouraging them, yeah, eat the collards, but also, like, look at what's possible in your life. 
right? And and the the farm can be a metaphor for that sometimes. Yeah. Mm, yes. Yes. I always say, you know, you can do anything. I mean, anything. I try to just stay positive and encourage all the youth that come through our come to our farm to just don't quit, don't give up. And if they need any support, even if it's outside of the things that we do at the farm, and just talk to me, let me know, and I'll do the best to support them. Yeah, and you actually, you have uh, programs on the farm for teens in your community, right? What does yes. that look like? Uh, that is our LIT program, LIT, Leaders in Training. So that program is really to, to just expose them to agriculture uh, hope in hopes that they will want to pursue an, a, a career in agriculture as a way to earn a living if they so choose to. Uh, and we use comic book characters, vegetable comic book characters inspired by black historians to teach different lessons to the teens. Who are some of those black historians that you refer to? Our broccoli characters, his name is Borockli. Uh, our tomato <laughs> character, her name is Tomato Tubman. We have a Re Rebecca Lee Great, a Huey Mellon, Malcolm P. Okay, wow. And are these stories available to people outside of your community as well? Yes, they are. You can find uh, our comic book online at our website, www consciousconnectionsinc.com. Great. I know that some people will want to read up on these creative characters you're, you have created. Yes, we have created up. Me along with the youth and, and, and the staff and volunteers at the farm. That's great. And I know it's a way to bring more people into the project overall. Maybe rather than planting, maybe they'd like to illustrate the comic book, right? Right, right. And art, it gives them art, an opportunity to be a part of it. Absolutely. So, Matthew, if you can speak for just a moment to what are some of the most rewarding experiences you've had in growing this farm? And what is it you want other people to know who might be in their own situation to start something or to open up their own property to other people coming on and growing food what do you most want people to know and one of the most rewarding things for me is just to to sit back and reflect when i'm on the farm just looking around at how far we've come and then watching the people pass by in particular a lot of young people that are now grown some with children and say wow this is just beautiful i mean uh, to have been here for this long, and we're still growing. Um, but it, it's taken a lot of patience, a lot of uh, prayer, uh, certainly a lot of work, and relationship building. So if there's anyone out there that wants to really uh, do uh, something like this, I would say, one, you have to be patient. You definitely have to network. But most of all, you, you have to be fearless in the sense of you can't be scared to fail because, you know, it'll only make you stronger. So don't give up. Stay the course. 
and you will succeed. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting because sometimes if you don't get the result you expect or the result you set out for, something can feel like failure, but in reality, it isn't failure, right? Because right. you've got something, you, you get something along the way, or the way, if we want to use another gardening analogy, what is, what is a failure in a garden, right? If you're expecting one thing and you get something different, you might see that as failure. But the way I look at it is that every time you learn something, if you plant something and it doesn't come up because there was too much rain or because it's too dry, that's not a failure. You're learning how that plant or that uh, where you planted it, how that interacts with your ecosystem. And so I love what you're saying here about, you know, you can't be afraid of that failure failure, or you're not going to start. And that can be the, the biggest setback of all is just the not starting and how vital it is because yeah, we are going to learn something every single time and go ahead and do the thing so that you can learn from it. And an urban farm is just so much more than just you. It's really about everyone that is going to be impacted by the urban farm. So that should be even more motivation for you to just keep trying. If it doesn't work the first time, pivot, try something else, but just keep on keeping on. There you go. And whether that's a one plot urban farm or like you have, and you're expanding all the time, but also it's not just you anymore, right? You might have started this thing, but you couldn't keep it going as just one person. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's important to involve other people and for people to feel ownership of that, right? That the term common ground, it's more than, than just having agreement with people. It's like really being able to work together on a piece of land that, that you're all gonna share the benefit from. Absolutely. What is that like in your setting? Well, now uh, it, it's, it's something that I've, I've grown to appreciate more as I age <laughs> in all the different volunteers and interns that come to the farm and uh, are really, really great people. Some of which if they're an intern come to the farm with just a lot of qualifications and uh, end up saying, well, you know what? I want to stay on and I, I want to continue to work with you. And that just is, wow. You know, you can go get a big time job somewhere and you want to stay on and, and work here at this urban farm. So, you know, that, that is, uh, it's really touching. It's things that I just really appreciate. And with the youth that uh, as they age out and graduate, high school, they come back and say, hey, Mr. Matt, you have any work for me? Hey, Mr. Matt, I want to I want to do some more work. And it's like, wow, I used to have to uh, ride you a little bit to get you to do work when, you know, during our summer program. And now you're out of high school and you voluntarily are coming back to work and without no incentive in, attached to it. That's that's pretty amazing. So just, you know, the, the pay it forward piece and just watching people just uh, want to come in and and run the farm and and take ownership of the farm uh, is is priceless. It really is, and that really speaks to the value you're creating. 
And often that value isn't measurable by any uh, monetary standards or statistics. That's value that's deep inside somewhere. So authentic. It is. It's authentic. And you create that. You create that authenticity for them too. Mm -hmm. uh, going back to the local and short food supply chain topic, you know, sometimes we see like right now, we're seeing some challenges in our overall food supply chain and other supply chains. We're looking at the proximity of our food and the proximity of where it's produced. And that can help on so many levels because if your food is grown right outside your front door or right outside your back door, you're taking away some of the vulnerabilities of a complicated food supply chain. How can you say that that uh, directly impacts your community there in Delaware? And then how does that, how does that have a broader impact? Well, it directly impacts uh, my community by being able to minimize, minimize, if not eliminate those narratives such as food deserts, uh, food insecurity, increasing healthy food access. This is for our local community because localized operations definitely serve that benefit. Um, so access and security is big. Only limits is, only limits are seasonality, depending on the region in which you live. You know, we're in the Northeast, so we get pretty cold winters. So there are certain crops that you can't grow unless we have a, a high ton or a hoop house. And that depends on how much space you have or, or have available to you. Well, and you also have the fruit trees now. And right. once the fruit trees go into full production mode, you'll be able to do a lot with preserving the fruits. Value added is big. They're value added products that you can make with your crops uh, during the season to get you through the winter months is really, really important. So that also opens up doors to do a lot of uh, teaching so people can learn if they don't know how to create value-added products already. So they can learn how to really uh, make some things that will get them through the winter uh, so that they don't have to depend on uh, produce that may be coming from the West Coast or places far away. It sounds like the being able to access food right in their own neighborhood is empowering. Yes, it's extremely beneficial because you know you you know for people to have limited access or limited transportation, you know if your farm is if the farm is located on a block or around a corner, you can you can walk there. Uh, so that's really really convenient. That convenience factor is is important. It is. It's super important, especially with some of the challenges we're seeing. And, you know, one of the things I think about too is packaging. And so if we're relying on produce that was grown in California and then has to be packaged up in multiple layers of packaging and put on a truck and shipped 3000 miles to the East coast, that's several layers of vulnerabilities that we're relying on not being there, right? The vulnerabilities can't be there if we want to have that food on our tables. Right. With local, you don't have to worry about that too much. 
people can walk with in our herb garden, you can come and you can uh, pick your own herbs. So you pick your herbs, you take them home with you and you can clean them at your own, at your own. Right. And then, and then you remove the vulnerability of the transportation and of the packaging. Cause you know, you can go to the store and you can pick up like a handful of herbs and they're packaged in a clamshell and the clamshell has ties around it or whatever. And so if there's a huge difference between not being able to get those because the packaging has the uh, supply chain issue versus being able to go to the farm that's half a block away and clipping rosemary off the rosemary bush, right? Right, absolutely. Much more convenient, absolutely. Thank you. So is there anything else you want people to know about the benefits of starting an urban farm or planting something in their own yards or creating community around food production? What else do you want people to know about it? I really just want to encourage everyone to, to do it, to at least give it a try. Uh, it's extremely beneficial. Uh, you can always start with just a container, some topsoil from your local garden store, and a seed. It could be a seed from a fruit that you have in your cupboard, on your cupboard, or in your refrigerator. But I would really encourage everyone to just give it a try. Uh, it is definitely a beautiful experience. And I second that. And Matthew, I can't tell you how many people I talk to and they say, oh, well, I don't have a green thumb or I don't know how to grow anything. And so I would tell them, start with mint or radishes. <laughs> in a container. In a with, container. If you start with mint, start with it in a container because <laughs> mint will, will take over. Quickly. The mint will take over. And you don't need a green thumb to grow mint. Mint no, will you grow don't. on its own. <laughs> that is so true. But what, what would you tell people to start with if they need some encouragement or need some inspiration to keep going? Well, you said mint. Mint is a great one. Tomatoes. Tomatoes are, are really easy one to, to grow. Um, tomatoes take such a long time, though. And I know some people like to see the immediate result. So I say radishes because then, you know, you put the radish seed in and two weeks later you have a radish. True, radish, uh, basil. So you, so okay, yeah. we start with your herbs. Your herbs would be good to start with. Your basil, rosemary, mint, your herbs, because it's a really fast turnaround. So you'll get, you'll, you'll see the fruits of your labor right away. That's right. And it's so satisfying to use fresh herbs in your kitchen. Absolutely, absolutely, I agree. Yeah. All right, Matthew. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. It's such an inspiration. And you know what? You're right. It is replicable. People can start and every year grow from that. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate this opportunity. Well, I look forward to our next conversation. Likewise. So do I. Thanks so much, Matthew.